Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson. You know, most of us will admit that life is full of ups and downs, and we all struggle with challenges, but it's realizing when we might need a little bit of help along the way that we look for the best path to move forward. With us today is Nicole Rammel. She's a licensed clinical social worker and director of Sunrise Mental Health Services here in St. George. Welcome, Nicole, and thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background yourself and why you chose to become involved with mental health. You know, I, I've been in St. George for almost 10 years. I moved here from Idaho. I always say I'm Idaho girl at heart <laughs> and sorry, I've <clears throat> gotten over being sick. I'm working on it. So my voice is a little crazy, it's Okay, but, um, I actually wanted to go into criminal justice. And so, well, I mean, when I first started, which we all think we want to do something, it was like pre-law and then that was a hard no. Um, and then I decided let's do criminal justice. My grandpa was a cop. I've got, you know, lots of, um, law enforcement in my family. And I was in Idaho State University in Pocatello, Idaho, and they didn't offer a full-time or a bachelor's in that. It was just an associate. So the next best thing was social work. So I was like, okay, I like people. So I did social work and then I did an associate's in criminal justice. Um, and I just did social work for several years. And then I went back in 2009 and went, got my master's degree and started doing therapy with it and just loved it. I mean, mental health is, is just fascinating. I mean, I would, it was like, I'm doing this stuff anyways, not in a clinical <laughs> thing before, but it was like, I would do this stuff for free anyways. So I, you know, I might as well make, make a living out of it. And I've just loved it. And it's been so important just helping people and, and just learning so much. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's all about helping people and whether it's criminal justice or whether it's social work, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, you go a little bit more into that mindset. Um, so you've been doing this for a while. I understand for what, 12 years or so. Yeah. That's, that's great. As a therapist. Yeah. As social worker longer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we know that June is pride month. Um, and you've spoken before, on resilience and, and can you tell us what resilience is in your mind set? Well, I mean, so resilience, you look, you know, it's, it's bouncing back after something hard has happened. It's being able to get through the hard times, right? Not being able to, you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I could never go through that. I could never do that. And I just look at them and I'm like, you could, if you had to you know, and people don't realize what they can do and how, how strong they can be when they have to be. Um, so really resilience is just coming back off of something that's hard. Yeah. So when we're, when we're speaking about, um, um, the LGBTQ plus community, they've, they're going through something hard because not everybody is accepting of their choices. Um, tell us how you might give them some pointers in regards to how to deal with that when it comes to resilience. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of want to correct you with the word choices. Okay. Because um, I don't feel that they choose to be 
who they are. You okay. know, like I, I, I feel like I was born and I didn't say, okay, well, I'm going to like guys, you know? So I feel like it's, it's just who they are. Right. And so for them, their resilience is just trying to survive in a world that people want to make them who they think they should be or what they think is not right or what they think is normal. So, um, <clears throat> so it's an inside thing inside yeah. their mind and, and their feelings is based upon emotions. Well, it, it's who they are. I mean, <clears throat> when you, if you look at, if we're going to look at sexuality and all that, you know, we never, I don't ever remember having a choice, right? Everyone assumes I'm straight until I have to say, if you're not, which I am straight, um, but, but so kind of saying like, you know, the, their, it's their lifestyle or their choice or their, no, it's not, it's who they are, you know? Um, and so I think it's, <clears throat> thank you. <laughs> I think it's really important just to kind of, um, you know, remember that, pe that, that when it comes to, and I, I mean, I can't say like I'm speaking for the queer community because that's, you know, but I, I have worked with a lot of them too, that I've heard so many of them say, if I had to choose this, why would I choose this? Why would I choose that people be so mean to me or discriminate against me? Like that's the easy choice is not right. Right. And so there was a picture up there earlier with uh, the queer transgender workbook. What is that all about? Okay, so that is um, <clears throat> just a really good workbook about building resilience as being LGBTQ. Um, and it's it's something that you can get, you can do on your own. Um, I do it with my clients, but it's something that is kind of a good resource to go through and just building up your resilience. And so are a lot of your clients um, LGBTQ+. Um, yes and no. I have a, a really big mixed, um, clientele. So yeah, the people we see in our community, we have a lot of LGBTQ, but we've got, I mean, we kind of see everything. So yeah. Now I understand that you founded the Dixie LGBTQ teen Alliance several years ago, probably before, you know, people were even talking about it or marching yeah. with it and stuff. Tell us why you did that. And what are some of the challenges that we, they are facing here in Southern Utah? So, <clears throat> ah, that's something that's so close to my heart. <clears throat> so my daughter came out as queer and um, she was going to take her life because of it. <clears throat> she was in eighth grade. And so, um, man, you think after all these years, you'd still be able to like talk about this and not get so emotional. But I think it's something that I work with and see every day with so many kids that it's just so raw. And um, <clears throat> anyways, she, um, she didn't have anyone. She lost all of her friends and all of everything after that. She was, well, she's kind of forced out. But um, I went into kind of a social work mode and I was like, okay, we've got to get, you know, she needs to be around a community, peers, something. And I looked all over St. George. Is there any groups? Is there any LGBTQ groups? Anything? And there wasn't nothing. So I'm like, okay, well, social workers, what do we do? If we don't have it, we build it. <clears throat> so I started a nonprofit and um, started doing um, monthly events and 
they came. It was one of those, if you build it, they'll come. And mm-hmm. I had no clue if there were even any other gay kids or <laughs> queer kids in St. George, right? It just, my mind wasn't even on it. And we had probably the first event, over 30 some kids just show up. <clears throat> and it was amazing. And it, it literally helped change her life. And I've just so many of it. And we just kept, you know, doing it and doing it. And then COVID hit. <clears throat> So we couldn't do anything. So it was like we did it for two years. Every month we did an event. We did something. We took them to Love Loud. We just kind of made it a place. It was at my house. I had this little tiny house, this little tiny backyard. And we had, you know, once people heard about it, the community, there were a lot of people who were like, hey, can we do this? Or can here's this? Or, you know, it was it was really great. Um, it was just made up of strictly donations from people in the community. I mean, it was amazing seeing people come out, um, helping their parents wanted to help. It was, it was, um, incredible actually. Um, and then COVID came, so we couldn't do anything. And then, um, my daughter, you know, older graduated, she's off in college now. And so I've gotten, I, um, I quit my job at the time just to stay home with her for two years, just to keep her going and like, okay, I'm not, you know, we've got to do something and our whole life and world changed. And, um, so then after, you know, things were starting to light up with COVID, we were, I'm, she was already gone. So I'm like, wow, these kids still need something, you know, I need to do something. So we was like having to redo it all over again. And, in circle house came and it was like, okay, we have something. Let's pass the torch over to them. And they're amazing. Amazing. So, so they kind of replaced what you had. So that's, yeah. that was going to be my next question. Is it still up and running? But I know in circle has, has been a really huge yeah. help and support in this <clears throat> community. Um, and as you said, the LGBTQ plus population is at a higher risk for suicide. So is your daughter out of the woods now and you feel, or is it, will she ever be out of the woods? Oh man, I hate thinking about that. <clears throat> I always think I hope she is, but <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I, I, I just don't know as anyone, you know, I, I think she's always in good. We, you know, we check in, we talk, we, you know, she's <clears throat> go, go through, um, a lot of different changing and I, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard. (laughs) Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, self, self help, self care. Um, what kind of tools and resources then would you advise or do you give out to when they are, people are dealing with these stresses and identification fitting into society, even though they don't really fit in? It's a, you have something called a self wheel. Tell me about that. So that, um, that will, well, I can't see it right now, but, oh, there it is. Okay. So yeah, so this is just getting, and I think this is good with everyone. I mean, with LGBTQ too, it's just certain things like getting to know your, like yourself and finding those places. Like one of them is like enjoying and affirming your body, um, getting inspired, learning how to stand up for yourself, knowing your self-worth. I mean, all of those things <clears throat> is working with them because for so long, you know, they don't feel like they fit in. They feel like there's something wrong with them, you know, and they, and so it's just getting them back to, let's just get back to you, your self-love for yourself. Right. Anything like I'm worth loving. I love me. And does it work? I would like to think so, but then I just went to a, a celebration of life 
two weeks ago over um, a teen who took her life. So, I you know, I think that there's just so much to it. I mean, there's not one, like, protocol for everyone that works. You know, there's so many factors to take into account for for everything. So I want to play off of that and reverse this line of thinking then, rather than trying to give self-worth and self-help to that community out there to reverse it, to have our line of thinking of what we can do to make things better in their world and, 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 and accept what they have become. I think one of the biggest things that we can do for one, they don't know until they know you're safe. And until then it's always a question because I've come to find out, at least with my journey with my kid, that people who I thought were going to be open weren't. And people who I thought were going to be really good about it weren't. And so it's always that hesitation, like, oh my gosh, how are they going to take this? They don't know you're safe unless they know. And so I always try to have something like, um, and I'm totally, I guess, gayed out today because I knew I was coming on here, (laughs) but like having like any kind of a rainbow thing on me or, you know, jewelry in my office there's something just because I don't want them to have to worry like when they come in I want them to be like they're safe they're safe so it's kind of a symbol of yeah like safety you Mm -hmm. know like that's so important because they you know how do you know if you're safe or not how do you know if you can confide or be vulnerable or you know I mean Here's an example. Last night I got a letter from my homeowners association saying I had to shut my pride lights off because that was not in the official holiday approved light house lighting, whatever just happened last night. Okay. So we haven't even addressed that yet, but I, I was talking to my sister this morning about it and she was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I was like, you know what? There's so many of the queer community that this is like, they would be like, yeah, of course, they're going to do that. Not a big deal because they're worried about not losing their job or finding a place to live. Are they going to kick me out? Are they going to rent a room to me? Are they going to fire me? Am I going to be discriminated against? Or something like, oh, yeah, I can't have a pride flag in my community or my it'll get stolen or my lights off like that's minuscule to what they really go through. Mm-hmm. And I'm all out of, been out of shape over lights, you know, which mm-hmm. I still will address. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, they put blue lights out for, for police officers during yeah. certain times of the, of the month or the day or whatever. So I guess that is a little bit discriminatory. Well, and it, and it was interesting, too, because one of the holidays that they had on there that was okay was Pioneer Day. And I'm like, Pioneer Day is not a national holiday. Right. I mean, that's great. We can celebrate it and that's fine. But like pride is known around the world. <laughs> yeah. So what can we do then as citizen advocates? That's what I wanted to call this show today because we are all citizens. Yeah. And we need to be supportive and advocative of, of other people's decisions. Well, you said it wasn't a choice, but at the same time, it's a citizen's choice or to be an advocate, correct? I mean, they need yeah, to think differently. Right. That is a choice. Yeah. And so, so that, that people don't feel these life's pressures, especially the young adults. You said you just attended a, a, a celebration of life, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what are the do's and don'ts of, of that? You know, I've thought a lot about that too. 
And I think that as a community at, at whole, as whole, um, yes, there's that great do and don't list too. But I think as a community, I think if we can just step back, step back and really just think about what we're doing and what the effect might have on somebody. If I said that to, if someone said that to me, how would I feel? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why is different so bad? Why is diversity so scary? Why is there a fear factor over something that I may not know much about instead of just being curious, you know, just, or just like, man, okay, so they, there's the pride month or, you know, that man loves another man or that girl loves a, another woman. They have two moms. Okay. There's a children's book that talks about two parents, two f same sex couple. Like, why is that? So if that's what someone is living and, and doing, why am I so set off on that? And I, I can only imagine what the, the backlash of me asking that question well, would yeah. be. I was going to say, because it doesn't fit into a mold that maybe they've been brought up with. Right. Uh, it doesn't fit into their world and they don't want that in their world. But maybe the world that we live in is changing or is different in, in everyone's mindset. So taking those blinders off and looking out there and maybe seeing that we're in a different world now. Well, and I don't even know if it's necessarily such a different world as it is, you know, the rest of the world. Right. Because I can guarantee you once if, if I go to Manhattan, it's not like St. George, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I can go there and I can accept, okay, this is how people here are and they live and, and that's Okay. And I think people can live and do how, how they please, but when they start hurting other people over it, it's not okay. Right. So how can <clears throat> uh, citizens then understand that perspective if they're poised in a perfection or maybe acceptable performance or acceptable, you know, you know lifestyle? <clears throat> how, do, how, do they, how do we turn this around? The word perfection is I think perfection and normal are probably two of the hardest words that nobody can ever live up to, ever. Nobody's perfect. Life's not perfect. And then define normal. There's no such thing. Right. Because what's normal, I, what is normal to one person isn't to another. Right. And we just saw something up that talked about us being a strong ally. Yeah. How, how can we do that? How can we learn that lesson? Like I said, I think, you, you know, standing up for if, if you see if you're seeing someone getting harassed. I think some of the thing, too, now is <clears throat> we'll get to the point where we see someone that has a different, maybe a bright blue hair. And we're like, oh, my gosh, they must be bad, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, or instead just be like, oh, I like your hair. You know, and you can see people just soften, smile, lighten, you know, like doing some self in, in the work inside of you. Like, why do I feel this way? Critical thinking, I think is going to be huge because a lot of, at least my life, I was told how to think, feel, believe, do, eat, dress, everything. And it was like, you have to do this or else. And instead it's like, try to challenge things. Why? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? How's that doing for me? What is that doing to me? Am I just like, I'm never going to live up to this. And my whole life just is anxiety trying to live to this perfection that it's just never going to happen. You know, and how is that affecting other people or me, especially me, you know? So I think as far as, as with other people in general, just, and the other question too is ask questions, you know, get curious, ask people. I know so many people that haven't even talked to a queer person that are on the streets, like saying, oh, they shouldn't do this, this and this. And they've never even talked to one. Ask them anything. Yeah. And it's coming from another perspective. I would say, like you said, put put yourself in their shoes and try to reverse that in your brain, not close mindedness. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So what is your hope and goal and dreams of those who might, um, you know, from a therapist's perspective of what people might need help with? Or maybe it's the people who aren't accepting that need to go see a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably both, right? (laughs) I think everyone needs therapy um, probably a few times in their lives. Right. Um, Because life does get messy and it gets hard and we get, you know, these curveballs thrown in us that we're like, wow, did not see that coming, was not prepared for that. I need some help with this. Why am I being so reactive to this? Listening to our bodies. You know, so I think that that our goal at our, um, in therapy is just helping people be able to love, accept themselves, finding a place where they're thriving more than not. You know, right. and we've heard heart, uh, time and time again that meeting with a therapist is strictly confidential. And so mm-hmm. at what point do you um, have to refer a client to a higher level for mental health care when they are thinking about suicide? Well, when they're showing signs that they're not safe, they're hurting themselves, they have a plan to to um, kill themselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the, the kind of thing where they just, they're not in a safe environment and their life is at stake, then we have to do something about that. Yeah. Or someone's hurting them. Yeah. Or they're going to hurt somebody else. So it's all about talking and having openness and understanding, you know, hey, if you're not okay, let's let's go see somebody, you know, right? Uh, as far as getting into therapy yeah. or putting them at the higher level. Yeah, either way. Yeah, right. And, you know, um, even with my kids, it's like I, I want them to, you know, we all have roles, right? And with my kids, I'm the mom in their life, you know, so if they need a therapist, they need a therapist. It's hard to do both. So it's always good just to have someone to bounce things off. And you know what? You might have to go through a couple of therapists to find the right fit. Mm-hmm. People get really discouraged because they're like, well, I went to a therapist and it was really bad. Okay, well, then you didn't find the right person for you. Right. And I'm sure there's different perspectives on that anywhere. So yeah. tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about your services, uh, Sunrise Mental Health, and what what you do and what you focus on. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I have an agency. It's Sunrise Mental Health Services. It's here in St. George. We actually do telehealth um, as well as in person. I have... Um, Interns, associates, and licensed therapists there. They're wonderful. Um, We hit a lot of things. I mean, depression, anxiety, family issues, marital issues, you know, LGBTQ, um, faith transitions, uh, religious stuff, um, lots of stuff. Just (laughs) about anything that you could imagine. And you, like you said it before, you're a safe place. Yes. Yep. 100% we try to be 
So what I hope we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what uh, what kind of lasting impressions would you like to leave today, uh, the, our listeners and viewers today, in regards to um, what we've talked about? I think if there's anything, I would just like to say, be kind. Talk to people like if that if that was if they were talking to my kid, would I be okay saying what I'm saying to you right now? If you were if that was my kid, you know, or my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother or me. Do I want people talking to me like that? People get so reactive and I've done it myself. And it's just step back and just like, okay, if I were to look at this through some another perspective, what can I do? Yeah, I think that's some really good good choice of words and and I just want to say thank you for sharing I'm sure this wasn't an easy time for you to talk about your family but I really appreciate <laughs> it and appreciate being on the show showing that resilience and the help for other people because that's what we need to do is talk about this and be more open-minded and so I just appreciate what you do well, thank you and thank you for doing this there's a lot of people in our community that are fearful to take up this subject so thank you yeah yeah so together I think we can all make a difference if we just uh open our minds and our hearts. So thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. And uh, again, thanks for listening to the program. And remember that for all you listeners out there, you know, share this program with others uh, because someone might need to hear it. Thanks for watching and listening. Have a great day. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call or text the Suicide Crisis Lifeline at 988 because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.